1: Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we are helping you take your next wise step in your financial life, the blend of knowledge and action. Wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host and one of the certified financial planners on the show. Thanks for being with us. With me here in the KFG Studios, certified financial planners, Kevin Corhorn and
0: Josh Gregory. Referred to as one of the great goals in life, Paying for your children's education is something that we're going to get into today. And do you have a goal of paying for some of your children or your grandchildren's education? And if so, there are several uh, practical, uh, very important financial decisions that you need to make. So coming up this hour on Wise Money, we're going to tell you about those critical what those critical choices are, and we're going to equip you to make a great decision.
1: Yes, we are talking about college today. It's also tax season. And we are still fielding lots of calls about what's going on with the new tax law changes, how it's going to impact you. So if you have a question, we want to hear from you. I'd invite you to reach out to us, and you can do so in a few different ways. First, you can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574 574- 222 222-2000. If you have any questions, want to reach out to us, need some help, you can reach us there. Also, wisemoneyradio.com is how you can find us online. You can submit questions there as well. Also catch up on all the previous episodes. and. Check out the blog and all that sort of stuff. Lastly, all over social media as well as YouTube, just search at Wise Money Radio. Every episode is on the YouTube channel. You can submit questions that way. And Facebook had some comments there recently as well. So reach out and like the page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and all of that. Okay. We are more than halfway through our series where we're going through all the most important decisions that you have to make in all areas of your financial life. You know there are six areas to your financial life and you can't deal with each area in isolation. Really the magic comes is when you put them all together, you need a plan, we call that one plan, of putting all of it together and when you're tying it together then you can make great, great decisions. What decisions do you ask? Well, that's what we've been covering on this series, and today we're talking about the most important decisions that you need to make in the area of college planning. The very first one that comes to mind for a lot of people is somewhat, it's not necessarily a conscious decision, but it is, it is really. And that is, what role are you going to play and what role do you
2: want the child to play in paying for their education? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you frame that as the very first yeah. decision, right? In fact, uh, it, it needs to be right where you start as parents deciding way down the road, how involved are we going to be with our kids' college planning? And I, I would argue that it needs to happen maybe even before you are parents, maybe even before you're married. Whoa! I, I actually just this past fall I was maybe working... before you've met your spouse. <clears throat> Let's not get carried away. Okay, right here, okay. Maybe while you're still in college <laughs> yourself. <laughs> All right, sorry. Come on. No, we we joke, but really that's when you're formulating your philosophy and your attitude on these things, and to understand your spouse's attitudes and beliefs on this or your future spouse's attitudes, I think is wise. This past fall, I was doing some, I'll call it premarital financial counseling with one of my clients. He's, he's been a client for a number of years, but he met his wife and wanted to bring her into the planning that we've been doing. Love it. And I was coaching them on some of the conversations they ought to be having around money before they get married. And a lot of it really was kind of attitudinal, philosophical type questions. What do you, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And this was actually one of the questions that I proposed that they ask each other. Do you think it's a parent's responsibility to help pay for their kid's education? And of course, everyone's attitude is at least partially flavored by your own experience. Absolutely. So yes, way back when you were in college. Um, but the, the the point though is you have to first decide. Am I even going to help pay for college? It, it doesn't have to be just an assumed thing. Right. It's like a, a parent, uh, a dad recently asked me, how old do your kids have to be before you get them a cell phone? And I, I <laughs> thought, well, that presumes that I'm going to get them a cell phone. You know, maybe that's their responsibility. Hmm. That's the first question, right? Um, so in this… What's that?
0: I do have an answer for that one. Do you? And I feel bad for your kids. As soon as they can type 60 words a minute. Whoa. Uh, I, I remember you setting that bar. That was pretty and cool. And two-thirds
2: have done it. Yep. And and we're we're still waiting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, um, the, the point, though, is after you've decided that, yeah, we're going to help with uh, college funding in, in some way, then you start quantifying, well, how much? Well, think about it. I mean, helping with college, it is uh,
1: an assumed thing, and it goes back to your roots of how did it work with your family and for you and your parents, what was their philosophy. But so many people out there just gloss over this decision and, and don't carve out the time to talk to their spouse about it, which, gosh, it, you've, you've got you've to do that. But then you also need to talk to the child. I mean, think about it. College, it, what, if, if we're just um, weighing out the finances – Are you going to pay for your kid's college or buy them their first house? And if I frame it like that, you're probably thinking, there's no way I'd buy my kid their first house. That's so expensive. I can't do that. Well, if you're just going to assume and not really have a proactive, intentional conversation about college, that's in effect what you're doing, really. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the first step is you've got to talk it out. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't make any value judgments on, you know, for some people, I have seen it work great. If they say, yep, uh, we're going to cover all of it, okay? I've seen it work great when the parents say, we're not covering any of it. And everywhere in between. The point is, get on the same page and craft a plan and then loop the child in so they have ownership.
0: Early. Early. Loop that child in early because we've talked to lots of folks and this is easy so this isn't a criticism it's very easy to go through life and there's there's no you know if you have income for the prior year you got to get your taxes done by April 15th there's no date that says by this date you have to communicate with your children what you're doing with their education plan what what part you're going to play in that the funding of that and and what kind of uh, parameters and guidelines you might want to put on that so i would encourage you if you haven't done it and you've got children that may someday be college bound i would start
2: that conversation and not be afraid to get it wrong just just get into it so what would be the ideal age as as someone who's sending kids out of the nest right now When do you start having that conversation about what mom and dad's role will be and the kids? What would be ideal? Well, I think 10. I think you need to
0: start having the conversation about work and money. And, you know, my kids were cleaning the office when they were five. And so we talked about, okay, what do you? What are the three things you do with money, right? You give, you save, you spend. Okay. And what do you need to be saving money for someday? Well, someday you're going to want to go to college, and that's going to cost a lot of money. And mom and dad are going to help you with it, but you're going to contribute too. So make sure you're setting aside money for college. And so that's, that is part of the messaging that your kids want to hear on an ongoing basis and then when they're 10 and they cut the neighbors lawn or they're 12 and whatever they might be doing um, that's when you say hey let's let's be thinking about this and and moving in the right direction
2: you know there's a couple ways that you could frame that discussion with your kids as well if you've decided together with your spouse yes we're going to help in some way there's two ways that you can define that help. One would be that you guys are going to commit to setting aside a certain amount of savings every month or every year, Mm -hmm. kind of defining what your contribution into the pot will be. Whatever it grows to, your kids get to use it for their college. The alternate to that would be to frame it in terms of the cost of college. We're willing to pay for 25% or a third, or we'll pay for half. Whatever it takes for you to get to the point that you can actually fulfill on that mm-hmm. uh, commitment, um, then you're going to do what it takes. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's what I was
1: just thinking. You know, we're talking about this being a free decision, a choice that you get to make, and we we want you to sit down and talk to the right people about that. But what if you what if you haven't prepared? Is the decision already made for you? If if you haven't started early and you want to help your son or daughter with college, but you're not ready, I'm not sure there's much of a decision there. So there, I, I would invite your certified financial planner into that discussion. Talk to your spouse about what your intentions are, but then sit down with your certified financial planner. And if you don't have one, you know, contact us. We'd love to help you and, and figure out what's practical and what the reality is. Hopefully you get out in front of this thing and you're starting to save. So the next choice is where do you save? Where do you save? Are there certain accounts that are better for saving up for college than others? We've got that and more coming up here on wise money with Corhorn financial group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Should you fill out the FAFSA or not? What is your approach to finding aid or scholarship for college? That's a big choice that you have to make and your child has to make. We've got that coming up here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory coming to you from the KFG Studios. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money show possible. If you have question, questions, if you have needs, we want to be a resource to you. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can reach out to us right there on the right, as well as catch up on previous episodes. Also, you can call or text 574-222-2000. This is tax season. I know a lot of you have tax questions. You might have needs with your taxes. Contact us 574 222 2000. And one more time, all over social media, you can follow us, you can connect us with us, you can like us, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at Wise Money Radio. We are talking about the most important decisions you need to make in the area of college planning. And we've already hit the most important one. And that is, what role are you going to play? What role is the child going to play? Say you've made that decision, and you're ready to start getting ready to follow through on that decision. And that is saving up. What's the right type of account to save up into?
0: Okay, so I can we just play a quick game of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'll just give. There's you the, three of us here. Let's do it. <laughs> I <was gonna> say, <laughs> <laughs> why were you looking at me for ugly? Okay, man. So here we go. Uh, you tell me, four hundred and one k. Saving in my four hundred and one k for my kids' education.
2: Good, bad, or ugly for college? Yep. Bad, bad. Why yeah. is that? Because it's meant to be a retirement vehicle, it's difficult to get money back out of it after it's in there until after you reach retirement age, unless you're borrowing it back out. Well,
1: but yes, you can take a loan, but sometimes those are expensive, and you're missing out on any market movement and appreciation, and the payback on that's five years, blah, 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 blah. If you leave your job, it's considered distribution. There's a whole bunch of reasons. The 401k is designed for a
0: retirement as a retirement plan. Okay, we're going with ugly. Thanks. Okay, traditional IRA. I put I put pre-tax money in. It's growing tax-deferred. I'm calling it bad.
2: Yeah, I'd give the same answer. What's the difference between bad and ugly? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've had
1: people use their IRA for for uh, for college, and it wouldn't be ideal because once again, that account is built for retirement. But if you use the money for college, am I right? That's one of the ways that you can pull money out and avoid the penalty. You'd uh, have to pay tax. tax. You'd have right. to pay tax on it. That's why it's bad, not
0: good. But you would avoid the penalty for college. So in the in a situation where for some reason I'm in between jobs or I have a low income year and I've got a bunch of IRA money, I could pull up to 10000 out. Only if you're on track for your retirement goal and you're not robbing from that goal. I like that, Okay,
1: So that's bad. So first
2: one ugly, that bad, I see where you're going. Okay, Roth IRA. I think in the right circumstances, this can be a good tool to use. If you haven't already earmarked those dollars for retirement and as Mike was saying, you're not raiding the cookie jar to pay for college just because college came along first on the timeline of life. And you said good, bad, or ugly. I'm
1: going with meh. meh. I think I think meh, <laughs> meh okay. is between good
2: and bad for the for the Roth. So what are what? Tell me about the accessibility of the Roth IRA. Well, you can always get access to your contributions. Okay, right. Um, if you have converted money from an IRA to a Roth, you've got a five year waiting period before you could get access to the money without any kind of penalties or tax on that. Um, so you know it is. Similar rules to the traditional IRA that we just covered, Um, but the fact that you don't have to pay tax on your contributions coming back out can make it an okay place to get your hands on some money.
0: So the disadvantage to tapping into that is really?
1: I'm saying the missed opportunity for long-term tax-deferred, tax-free growth on that money. Okay. Okay, for, for sure, because if you're using that to fund kids' college, most likely you still have another decade or two of working, let's say a decade, mm-hmm. but then you still have another three to four decades of life, and that Roth IRA will continue to grow tax-deferred and tax-free. So any money you pull out of that Roth IRA, even if it's a little more convenient than the other two for college, you're robbing yourself of all of that retirement Tax-free growth. Yeah, that that's my me, point. That that's
2: to me. me is the the ultimate risk here. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a question when you're when you're trying to decide: Am I going to save for college for my kids? Is that standing between you and your own retirement? If you fund college, is it going to prevent you from being ready for your own retirement? And this is kind of the exact same question, if you pull money out of a retirement account and use it for college, have you bankrupted your own college or your own retirement and you don't even know it yet.
1: I mean, that is one of the choices and and we'll we'll lay that out a little bit later is do you use a retirement account or do you pull money from your retirement to pay for college if you're not ready for college. And so
0: I, I would just say no, you shouldn't. Okay? I agree. Okay. Obscure. This is a little obscure. The education, the Coverdell ESA, the educational savings account. I'm calling that ugly, and the <laughs> only reason is you're so you're so
1: stinking close to getting it right. You're so stinking close to being good. I'm just gonna call it ugly. Just it doesn't have the tax benefits going in on the way in. It doesn't have some of the tax benefits of the good option, in my opinion. And so why? Why but are
2: are you thinking of this as should you contribute to it? What if the money's already in there? Why would you not tap into it? No, we're talking about contributing money. Oh, into I thought we were it. doing with so. withdrawals here. Well, and and one of the
1: uh, okay, yeah. If you okay, you're you're right, Josh, as always. Uh, if you <laughs> if you already have money in there, or someone's been putting money in there, then then I would call that good for college,
0: or maybe meh. Okay, and one of the things that used to be unique about the educational savings account was you could use it for K through twelve, private education, mm-hmm. and that's not unique anymore because the next one, the five twenty nine. You mean the five twenty nine college savings plan is not just for college anymore? <laughs>
1: That's How th- can you sort this stuff out?
2: <laughs> that's right. That's Maybe the <laughs>
1: best news ever. Well, right, but they've got what I'm. Saying. They've got to have a rebranding uh, marketing effort here for the 529 plan. No, so I think
2: I'm, you hit
0: it. It's not just for college anymore.
1: That
2: is, yeah. There we go.
1: It like trademark. it's an education TM.
2: savings account or something. <laughs> 529
1: <laughs> plan, good. There, it's good. It's like the it's the Roth IRA for college, and you you guys know the Roth gets a a disproportionate amount of attention because it doesn't necessarily benefit you on the way in your contributions, although we'll come back to that, and it grows tax deferred and comes out tax free if used for college. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome deal. Now, the reason why the 529 plan is can be even better is dependent on which state you live in, what state uh, taxes you pay you can get a actual state tax benefit on making contributions. So wait a second, you can get a a state tax benefit on your contributions and pull the money out tax-free? That's good, that's real good. I'm calling that great. If you
0: live in Indiana, that's great. If you live in in Michigan, so in Indiana you get a credit, one of the best 529 plans in the nation. It's not one of the, I actually just, because I'm a
1: geek, I looked at the whole list again recently, it's the best, it's the best. Like I said. Uh, <laughs> so. We're not we're not the best at a lot of things here in Indiana. Certainly not in football <laughs> this year. Maybe basketball, but the five twenty nine plan, the college savings, we are the best. It's yeah, pride. I'm, I'm proud. Well, there we go. Josh, you just recently Kevin moved and I live in Michigan. Michigan, so do <laughs> you pay Indiana tax? And which we, is a good point. We Kevin was Indiana, hedging a little bit. Yes,
0: there. we do pay Indiana tax, and we do uh, get a benefit. So the tell me about the private five twenty nine. So the private 529,
1: is, so that actually, and, and I'm not going to get too technical here, but there's two parts in the in section 529 of the Internal Revenue Code. There's and if
0: you don't know about the other part, you need to be talking to your certified financial planner. If this is the first time you've heard of it, call 574-222-2000 and talk to a certified financial planner because this could be a tool that you need to, on your tool belt. So it, within that section of the Internal Revenue
1: Code, the language says you can save up in a tax beneficial way for college, or you can buy credits today. So it's, it's a oh, I don't know exactly the term is prepaid college, account, whatever they 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 use there. But the private five twenty nine is essentially a way of buying credits today. Instead of investing the money and saving it up, you're putting it into a separate account and you're buying credits today. You can do that with the states as well, but if you're doing it with the state, that means your child needs to go to a state school. With a private 529, it actually, there's a, it's, a, it's a more broad list of schools that you could go to. So another big question though, decision that you need to make is how do you approach scholarships? I tease that out there. We've got that coming up and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Thank you for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike, joined by Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory in the KFG studios. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with the REMAX 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. If you need help, if you have questions, reach out to us, 574-222-2000. We tell you all the time run, don't walk to your certified financial planner. And you need to, you've got to take action on this sort of stuff, especially with college. It's a very, very tricky goal. You need to save up for a long time and then you spend it all in just a couple of years. Reach out to your certified financial planner to help you with that strategy. If you don't have one, give us a call. We would love to help. You can also find us online, wisemoneyradio.com or all over social media at wisemoneyradio.com as well as YouTube, Facebook, and all of that. So we are talking about the most important decisions you have to make in the area of college planning. And if you're saving up, if you've made a great choice in that first decision, and that is, well, you do wanna help pay for some of your kids or grandkids college, where do you take the money from? And Kevin led us through a fun game of the good, bad, the ugly, the meh, and the great. Uh, (laughs) But there
0: were a couple other options that we had there. Yeah, so if you missed it, you want to listen to the podcast. In the last segment, we dealt with the 401k, the IRA, traditional IRA, the Roth IRA, the educational savings account, the ESA, the 529, the private 529, and now let's just talk about a taxable account. So I-
1: a taxable account, though, is one – it's just an investment account that you that has no special tax shelters or anything, and
2: so it's just an individual or a joint account. That's right. Uh, so the, the benefit of this type of an account is it's not uh, tied to a certain part of the tax code that kind of dictates or sort of steers you towards a certain use. A taxable account really has maximum flexibility on what you use the money for. You could be piling money into a mutual fund for a down payment on a house. It could be the wedding fund someday. Um, Maybe it's part of your retirement, but it can also be an account that you actually use for the college years. The nice thing about a joint account or an individual account like this is if you don't end up using all the money for college, you can repurpose it for something else very easily. Yeah. In my situation, and I've recommended this to clients a lot, my folks
1: saved up some to help. And yet we never had this intentional discussion. We never did. And yet I was just hardwired. I think from my upbringing, as soon as I got a car, I was working. And and I, I so I could get to my job, I was working. And that didn't change in college, even though I had to do well in school and all of that and so i just started paying for my own college they paid for tuition huge huge blessing but by sophomore year i was paying for my own room and board all my expenses and it was a huge gift to me hey at graduation mike here's the money we had saved up for college good luck and cindy and i ended up using that as a down payment on our first house nice huge huge blessing but there that speaks to that maximum flexibility but limited if not no tax benefit that's right and the reason i would say limited is the growth would be capital gains and current tax laws capital gains are
0: treated pretty favorably but that could change so okay those are all of the investment options so if i've got a from a freshman in high school on how if i had a taxable account or a 529 or these other accounts that i have a choice in how they're invested how should i invest them have the money structured for uh, uh, this educational event that's approaching.
1: That's the secondary choice that you have to make. If mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm going to help, that's decision number one. Two, I'm going to put money in one of those accounts that we just mentioned. Three is, how am I going to invest it? That's a big choice. Right now, it's tough because you look around and everyone's making money. And But the tricky thing about, co- how long is your retirement going to last? Your retirement's going to last, 30 years so a lot of times we see people make the big mistake you might have made this yourself where you're on the heels of retirement and you put everything in cash no we've got you've got three decades here we still this money is still long term with college if your son or daughter is going to college for three decades, you <laughs> said, we have a problem. No, they're going a roommate for, like that, they're for four years, maybe five years. <laughs> so as soon, actually before they start college, your time horizon has gone from long to intermediate to short. Mm-hmm. And if you just follow prudent investment principles, not trying to time the market, then your risk should be reducing rapidly as you get close to your son or daughter being a freshman.
2: Absolutely. You, you've got to start dialing down the risk because you don't have the time to bounce back like you did when the kids were three, four, and five. Yeah. Right. My, my kids are still young enough that I can be pretty aggressive with their college savings, but there's coming a day and it's coming way faster. My my oldest just turned 10 Freaking me out, actually. <laughs> uh, double digits now. Um, you know we're we're getting closer and closer to the point where I'm gonna need to start dialing back back the amount of risks that we're taking, which means those investments aren't gonna be growing as quickly and carrying as much of the weight. That's why I have to stay disciplined in feeding the accounts regularly, or another strategy that we've talked about is are there things that you can do to put yourself in a financial position that you just have more cash flow available when they get to the college years? Yeah, right.
1: that's where that could be a way for you to take a little bit more risk and then if the market's down and you can keep your composure, you can say, no, I'm gonna fund this year out of cash flow and let the the investments recover a
0: bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's really tricky because Indiana 529 came out with the credit I believe in two thousand seven. Yeah, and so we had clients that put money five thousand in to get a thousand dollar credit. So they did that in ninety seven, and then they did that in ninety eight. You and mean two thousand seven? Oh seven, oh eight. Yes, uh, as I was saying, and so <laughs> 07 and 08 Well, oh, by oh nine, the ten thousand dollars that they'd put in had grown to around six thousand. Yeah, and um, I remember having th- this conversation a number of times. People sitting down and saying. Oh, the 529 is just a bad plan, right? No, it's not a bad plan. It's actually a great plan. The investments have uh, been you know, squished down, if you will, because of what the market's done. And they say, so what should we do? What should we do? Thinking along the lines of, well, we should probably get our money out of that and put it in something else. And my answer across the board was, give me another $5,000. There again. This is why you need a
1: Certified Financial Planner because that would be my natural instinct as well, Kevin. Well, this this was a mistake. Let's take it out. We'll try something different. It, and, and your Certified Financial Planner is going to help you frame that as well as then coach you on the prudent approach to take. Run, don't walk to your Certified Financial Planner. Reach out to us if you need help, 574-222-2000. So, all right. We, Josh touched on something there that I, I want to float back to the next choice, and that is in the spirit of how are you going to pay for college, one avenue is financial aid. So a choice, actually, I've heard this more and more recently, is do I need to fill out this FAFSA? But it's actually a bigger choice than that, and it's really what's your approach going to be towards financial aid? And we don't have a ton of time to fully cover this the, the way that I, I think we need to. But Kevin, run through the few ways,
0: just there's just a handful of ways that you can pay for college. So I, I come up with five, Mike. There's need-based financial aid. There's merit-based financial aid, which a lot of times the colleges do. And this is where you want to get started early. There You can use your investments. You can use debt as a tool or you can use cash flow one of the confusing things and I would argue maybe the
1: most confusing probably a little more confusing than even saying the word FEFSA is the FEFSA and college financial aid disguises debt and scholarships those merit based and need based it's disguised with debt and and so it's really hard to ascertain okay am I going to have to pay this back is this a good thing should I do this or not
2: yeah, I think the point in all this is the FAFSA is the starting point for you to get any of those first three options on paying for college at your disposal. Many colleges require that you fill out this federal form in order to get even merit-based aid. It has nothing to do with your financial picture, but that's where they get all their data when they're making their decisions. Certainly, the need-based aid, such as um, student loans or scholarships or grants. You have to fill out the FAFSA for that. Yep. And unfortunately, it's it's always been mind-boggling to me. But even a student loan is considered financial aid. And if you want to be able to tap into some inexpensive debt or even forgivable debt, you have to fill out the FAFSA. We've got a couple of great tax questions coming up. One from Tony that he got some bad
1: news after buying his health insurance through the exchange. On what his taxes look like, he's looking for some help. We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise
1: Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at RE-MAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. All right. If you had your health insurance through the exchange and you got a nasty gram when you filled out your taxes, what do you do? Sadly, that's a reality for a lot of folks, a lot of you out there, and we've been able to help a lot. So that's Tony's question. We've got that coming up. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard across from Kevin Corhorn. Between us, Josh Gregory coming to you from the KFG Studios. If you've missed anything, you can catch up on the previous episodes in several ways. I'd first direct you to the YouTube channel. That's my favorite way to watch the episodes. And you can hit that like button down there if you like the content and even that bell, which subscribes you to the show
0: and get all the updates. And if you can't understand us, which is quite possible, (laughs) on the YouTube channel, you can read the words. Yeah. Yep.
1: Or you can just quickly rewind and and so on. So right there, just search at why or yeah, Wise Money Radio on YouTube. You can also find us on podcast. Every episode is on podcast form, iTunes, Google Play. Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. We are going to find a way to shorten that up, but you've got to type all of that in. That's Corehorn with a K, and then you'll find us right there. And lastly, Wise Money Radio. .com online every episode is right there online as well and you can submit questions if you need help if you have questions 574-222-2000 call or text 574-222-2000
2: is it worth noting i mean you've invited people to call our office if they you know have tax questions it, i mean we're right in the heart of tax season but there are a lot of folks every single year who come into our office and they actually haven't filed their taxes for two or three years, That's right? right? Maybe they have kind of a messy situation and it can be overwhelming to file your taxes. And uh, we actually, this is further evidence that we are an office full of nerds. uh, We actually enjoy getting in and helping you sort out that mess. It is not too late here to seek out a professional and even be doing some careful planning. There's still some time to affect last year's tax return as long as you don't wait until April 17th. That's that's a great segue into Tony's question,
1: but we've got to wrap up the conversation on planning. The most important decisions you have to make in the area of college planning, and one of them is how are you going to pay for college or how what's your approach going to be towards financial aid? Kevin laid out five different ways that you can pay for college, and the first three really deal with you need to get your FAFSA done, free application for federal student aid. You've got to get that done. It opens October 1st. Depending on what state you're in, that application closed March 1st or March 10. So we're just past that deadline, but it's going to open again for next year, October 1st. And if you didn't fill out your FAFSA in time for this next school year, I'd call the school, call Mm -hmm. the school and say, is there still a way that I can submit my information? A lot of times people look at their income, their situation, and they say, well, I'm not gonna qualify for anything. You'd be surprised how many times you'll qualify for something at the school level as opposed to the federal level, but they're gonna use the information on the FAFSA. So fill that out. I would mention one other thing before we get to Tony's question. If you've got a student who's in high school right now and looking at college and you're exploring how how are we going to pay for it, make it their job to fill out three scholarship applications a week that's their job i frame that as you have to do this fill out those those scholarship applications thanks to the internet web you can find scholarships all over the place have them contact student aid department at their school
2: that needs to be a focus that needs to be a job of theirs 500 here
1: a thousand here that that
2: adds up that's right that that is maybe more productive than what they'd even be able to accumulate in summertime work. Right? Possibly. So yeah. t- take that seriously. You're right. 500 here, here, 1000 there, it does add up. And you're still getting a summer job. That's yes. right. That, that's right. All it's right. not an either or, right? Oh, this is <laughs>
1: such a great question. Tony's from Mishawaka. We're transitioning to tax questions here. Here's what he said. My wife and I used the exchange to get our health insurance, a.k.a. Obamacare, a.k.a. Affordable Care Act. Aka, I'll keep going. But my tax preparer <laughs> is now telling me that I owe a lot of money on my taxes because I made too much money. What is going on? And is there anything that I can do now? Let's just explain the the issue first. The the whole well, one of the backwards things, in my opinion, with this whole Affordable Care Act, is the way that Congress was able to push through a reduction in the amount of premium that you pay is by giving you a tax credit. Mm -hmm. Now, that's confusing because tax credits usually come on your taxes, but the way they position this one is, we'll give you a tax credit in advance and it'll reduce what you're paying on your health insurance. See how convoluted this is. And that's with the obligation or promise that you won't make more than a certain amount. People change jobs all the time. You might have been in between jobs or underemployed and said, I need health insurance because I'm underemployed and I'm not making much. So here it is. But you're pursuing getting more income in full-time employment. And then all of a sudden, you know, God opens the door and you've got a, a new job making more money and you get to the end of the year and you realize... I owe several thousands of dollars because I made more than what I thought.
2: That's right. You know, it's it's almost like the government is lending you future credits that they think you might qualify for when you get to tax time. But how do you know for sure that you're gonna qualify for it because you won't know 100% that you're gonna earn a certain dollar amount until the year is up for most people. It's, yes. it's,
1: a, it's, a, it's a loan against your tax refund. It's yeah. a loan in advance against your tax refund, which we would say is always a bad idea, but yep. this one,
0: can be resolved with some careful planning but Kevin I, well, I took the words Yeah I mean about. Tony has entered the land of nasty surprises yeah. because most people don't know going into it that if I as I'm applying I say my income's going to be x if it's x plus the credit that I was getting all along is they're going to ask for it back. Mm -hmm. And so, Tony, that's the situation that you're in. And it's a great question, well, is there anything I can do about it? Yeah, and just before
1: we go there, one of the other nasty things about this land of nastiness is a lot of tax benefits that you get, the more money you make, they phase out. And some phase out pretty quickly, but it's kind of a gradual, well, you used to get this, and now you're getting a little less, and a little less, a little less, okay, then it's gone. This one, a lot of it's just all or nothing, where a $1,000 swing, and, and truthfully, a $1 swing can mean a $13,000 difference on your taxes and tax due. All right, so what can you do? This, pre, the, the income amount that you promise to keep your income below, is there's several different income numbers on your tax return. This is confusing. The one that you're referring to is what's called modified adjusted gross income. Let's just stick to adjusted gross income for the sake of our discussion. It's the it's the number at the bottom of your first page or at the very top of the second page of your tax return. So really your question is, what can I still do right now to reduce that number at the bottom of the first page of my tax return? Thankfully there are a few options you might have.
2: That's right. Uh, One of the things that financial advisors are often using as a tool to impact last year's tax return would be things like a traditional IRA contribution. Mm -hmm. This is something that gives you a deduction. It helps reduce your income on the tax return. And it actually helps squeeze down that number that you were referring to, Mike, that is calculating how much of those premium tax credits are you gonna have to pay back or how many do you get to keep? Yep. And so the, the, the nice thing about a traditional IRA contribution is that you can make that contribution right up until your tax filing deadline, which is April 17th this year. Mm-hmm. Normally we think April 15th, but because of holidays and, and weekends and everything, it's a couple extra days. But the, the point is here we are, we're well into 2018 and you still can affect last year's tax return by contributing to a retirement account.
1: They have these... Uh, there's deductions on the front page of your tax returns called Above the Line Deductions. The traditional IRA, which is often overshadowed by the Roth, it is a great choice in this uh, at, at this time. Another option is health savings account contributions. That's also mm-hmm. up there. If you were self-employed at all, During the middle of the year, uh, you could write off possibly some of your health insurance premiums there, self-employed health insurance deduction. If you were self-employed, make sure if you're paying self-employment tax, you can deduct some of that there. So there's a few options. There's
2: bigger retirement contributions you can make if you are self-employed.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So there again, once again, sit down with your certified financial planner, get proactive so you avoid these surprises to begin with. But sit down and explore what options you still have. We are out of time for today. Thank you so much for joining us here for Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and all of us at KFG. My name is Mike Bernard. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group.